Love Talk Radio. Coach Billy Donovan, preceded by Alabama coach Anthony Grant, after uh, yesterday's 69 to 61 victory by the University of Florida over the University of Alabama basketball team in round two of the SEC basketball tournament in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, Alabama is now 18 and 14. Uh, at one point during the game, they went 25 minutes without making a jump shot, and they went the game's first to 35 minutes without any second chance points on the offensive end. Uh, Florida is now 16 and 16, but their season will end tomorrow around noon when they have to face Kentucky. So Alabama will, as Coach Grant said during the audio, wait until Sunday to see their fate. They are hoping for a spot in the NIT. Uh, an NIT quote-unquote bracketologist this morning had them as a three seed, but I don't know if that will still be the case after Auburn University, who has now won two games in Nashville, defeated Texas A&M. Uh, in the second game of the day, knocking Texas A&M for all practical purposes out of the NCAA tournament. So Texas A&M is probably now going to be an NIT team, leaving the NCAA with uh, five SEC teams at best. Uh, That's how we're starting off this week's edition of BAMS Radio, a member of the BAMS Sports Radio family. I'm Kerry Clark, your co-host from BAMAMag.com and Scout.com. Joined as always by Rudy Armand of AlabamaIntel.com, and then back in the studio, Thomas Watts of Touchdown Alabama Magazine is our producer. Uh, Drew, uh, if your eyes are done bleeding, uh, go ahead and give us your take on uh, first uh, the game itself, and second Billy Donovan telling uh, Bama Nation they better hope Anthony Grant comes back. Well, I got to say for Billy Donovan, have a lot of respect for him. His career won two national championships, built a great team. A program, pardon me, at Florida. His, his worst year, uh, obviously they're going to get mud holed tomorrow and have a losing season and uh, not go to any postseason tournament, in my opinion, unless they go to the CIT tournament, which I think can take teams with a losing record. Um, but uh, he's channeling his inner Don Shula. Uh, he needs to be quiet. Let, I, I know he's uh, trying to protect his former assistant, much like he did John Pelfrey a few short years ago when he fell on his face and got fired at, the, at Arkansas. Uh, but it's time for Anthony Grant to go. Does Bill Battle have the guts to do it? Uh, you know, a, a lot of the uh, the buzz I've heard today from people is 
that they're leaning toward him returning. I don't. From what I, the latest I've got is, is the decision has not been completely made. But again, uh, the, the tea leaves seem to be leaning toward him returning. If he does, I'll go ahead and call it. It will be an unmitigated disaster. It will be the worst season in Alabama basketball history next year. The worst crowds in the history of Alabama basketball. And I, I, from what I'm hearing in the last two days, I think there will be multiple transfers if he does return. Uh, they'll be lucky to have nine to ten guys on scholarship. I think it might even could be eight. Uh, and I think they'll probably be among the two worst teams in the league overall. Then you will have to make a change next year, I guess. Of course, we've thought that they should have made one last year, and then they gave him a mulligan. This year has not improved enough. I do not think they deserve to go to the NIT. Uh, I don't think they've finished very well. Uh, to their credit, they did do a good job in the second half against Texas A&M. Only reason they won that game is because House was hurt. Let's just call it like it is. And so I just really believe it's time for Anthony Grant to go. Uh, we've got more signs of it today. It has become an Auburn infomercial at the SEC tournament. Uh, as Bruce Pearl and his guys are playing hard, they've had a bad year, but they've won two straight games. Uh, and they upset Texas A&M today. And now the big, they're, they're getting almost as much pub as Kentucky. And so they're, uh, they're, right now, uh, Auburn cares more about basketball than the University of Alabama. Let that sink in. It's painful. Uh, speaking of Alabama, uh, the Tide jumped out to a 23-15 to lead with 10.46 to go in the first half today. Things were looking good. They were attacking the rim. They were fighting hard on the boards. And all of a sudden, the Gators reeled off an 8-0 run to tie the game, and it just went down there, downhill from there. Now, Alabama had four of the five starters today in the double figures. Levi Randolph and Jimmy Taylor each had 15. Rodney Cooper had 13. Retina Bosselhan had 10. And Robin Norris had eight points, and he grabbed seven boards. So he almost had five starters in double figures, but they didn't get a single point from the bench, uh, which is, you know, kind of in the course. Uh, yes. Right, part of the course. Uh, and let me reiterate, reiterate what I said earlier, if you, if you all didn't hear the very beginning of the show. Alabama went 25 clock minutes without making a jump shot from outside the paint. And Alabama went 35 clock minutes without any second chance points on offense. That means you had the gumption to fight for an offensive board and actually make a stick back. Those, Drew, that's two mind-boggling stats. I don't, I don't care if you're talking about YMCA, Little League, whatever, high school. That, those, I mean, I don't even think abysmal is a strong enough word. It's called coaching. It's called effort. They're not being coached very well by the morons on the bench. I'll go ahead and call them that. The assistant coaches are stealing money. Anthony Grant's stealing money. They've had plenty of time. I don't want to hear injuries. I know Ricky Terrence is a very good player. The season was starting to go south before Ricky Terrence and Shannon Hill got hurt. It's all an excuse. They've had six years to fix it. They have not come close. It is going to continue to get worse. They will not be able to recruit worth a tinker's dad gum next year because nobody wants to play in Coleman Mausoleum, which is what it is turned into. And if Bill Battle does not make a change, he is going to be as reviled as former president Joab Thomas, who royally screwed up the Bobby Bowden hire and ended up hiring Bill Curry. Yes, that is what Bill Battle is going to leave as his legacy if he does not fix the basketball program because he has not done anything in his two-plus years on campus except hire Christy Curry and irritate Nick Saban. Rant over. And, you know, 
maybe uh, we should institute a new policy in Tuscaloosa that never in the future of the school will they ever hire an athletic director with the initials BB because Bob Bachrath picked off a lot of people too. Uh, well, Bill Battle, Bill Battle's just kind of being apathetic. He's he's taking, he doesn't care. Well, it's like he's terrified. Uh, let me jump in. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I, I made myself. On this, I, I made Thomas myself watch that this. basketball game, and I have seen cancer patients with more energy than I saw from the Alabama basketball team. It was pathetic. It was offensive to me as an alumnus. But let's talk about Bill Battle. Bill Battle might not care. He might not do anything. I don't particularly care what his excuse is because I'm not interested in hearing it. I have watched this team just spiral down the tubes, and he's done nothing but march the good soldier beat. No, you don't have to do that. You know, you are the athletic director. What does a, what does a director do? A director leads. You don't lead from your porch with your dick in your hand. You get out there and you fix the problem that is there. I, you know, people tell me, oh, but they, they're graduating kids and they're such nice kids. Great. Uh, you can you can throw money into an endowment for these great kids, but they're not good basketball players. Do they have the potential to be good basketball players? Maybe. I think you could say from their high school film they had the potential to be good basketball players, but they are not good basketball players. Since you can't fire kids, which let Ed O'Bannon do all that stuff, and when the first kid gets fired, you'll watch that explosion. But I digress. If you can't fire kids, you got to fire coaches. If you can't fire coaches, you got to fire ADs. It's like somewhat, something's got to give here. This is absolutely horrific. I watched so many let's chuck up a long ball and then stare at it that I wanted to scream. There's a good, you know how you fix that? You know how you fix that in your little sixth grade leagues? Every time some schmuck hurls up a three and then stares at it, not crashing the boards, the entire practice stops. And you know what happens during when that practice stops? The schmuck who decided to watch the damn ball not go into the hoop, gets to stand there and watch his teammates run a lap or do 50 push-ups or whatever the hell it is you do. That's how you fix a problem like that, not walk around like a bunch of morons. So, no, I am way off the Anthony Grant train. I hope he is gone for the good of the program. I do want to slightly digress, Carrie. I don't know if you mentioned this because I was doing some back chat stuff. Our, uh, our patriarch, Bama Bird, got some very good news. Um, right, that's awesome. The uh, the he had a PET scan, I believe. I think that was the one he got. Not showing cancer. Don't know where it is. Don't really Brain care where news, it is. Man. That's but the best news of the day. It's gone. Man. So you know, that's awesome. For all of my rantings about the frustration that is Anthony Grant, I'm so happy and thankful that Bird is getting is kind of pulling out of what I quite frankly perceived as a pretty big nosedive. So you know, that's yeah. some good news to come out to come out of the past 24 hours. No doubt about it, and I totally, complete, completely agree with your view, Thomas, and the passion that you bring to it. Um, I, I watch the game, most of it, off and on, uh, you know, throughout. I've become apathetic pretty much, but it went about like I figured. They came out, made a few shots, then Florida adjusted a little bit. Our coaches don't ever adjust because they're morons, and then they walked, they got outscored big time the rest of the game. And of course, it, it was it, it's so it's pretty pathetic when the announcers Brad Nestler, who's a pro, and Sean Barnum are basically making fun of you when you finally make a basket. And that's basically what they were doing today uh, when Alabama, as Kerry uh, talked about it, they went uh, over a 10-minute stretch without any baskets, and then 25 minutes 
uh, without making a jump shot. Which is that's coaching. That's all that is is coaching. I've watched all those kids play high school basketball. They could all shoot. We're looking at Trevor Lacey, who tonight may beat the Duke Blue Devils for a second time. He's averaging 17 points per game and has been an, a, a great guard. And then they're uh, one of their two. Uh, and then they're uh, one of the two, three. Uh, uh, I guess they're. I guess Batman to his Robin. Uh, or really, I guess I'll, I'll give uh, Trevor Batman. But you know, Robin on that team, the second best player on the team is Ralston Turner from Muscle Shoals. And they, there's a reason these kids are leaving the state because they don't want to play for Anthony Grant. And there's a great sophomore class that the new coach of Alabama's administration will get off their asses, pardon my language, and make a change. Would would uh, you could get some really good talent to Tuscaloosa? Uh, but guess what? They're not going to – if they don't do anything, Bruce Pearl will get a few of them and the rest of them will leave the state because none of them want to play Anthony Grant basketball, which is what Thomas just aptly said, is just a bunch of dribbling around the perimeter and just jacking a three-pointer with five seconds left on the shot clock, watching Anthony Grant applaud failure like he was today. The guy is clueless. He can't coach his way out of a wet paper bag. And I never thought I would say this but he's worse than David Hobbs. I put out a stat today. In the, in the, in the 16 years that David Hobbs and, and Mark Godfrey coached, they were 7-7 seven and seven combined in the NCAA tournament. Mark Godfrey was 5-5 five and five with an Elite Eight in 11 years. David Hobbs, in five years, was 2-2, two and two, won both of his first-round games. In six years, Anthony Grant not, has not won a game. They ought to apologize for firing David Hodge. They're going to let Anthony Grant ruin Alabama basketball. Well, let, let, let's, before we bring our first call on, I actually want to jump into that because you retweeted a bunch of statistics about Anthony Grant's tenure. Tori, something like, what, 2-36 and 36 yes. playing everyone above number 46 in the Ken Palm rankings? Yeah, and he remember, had, everybody's hurt. We always have injuries. That's always the excuse. Well, I... Talk is cheap, and I have an expensive ear to that. It is historically awful against a team that has a pulse. That is, that is Anthony Grant's tenure. If I were to write his obituary at Alabama, historically awful against teams that have a pulse. But anyway, I'm going to go back to producing and calm down because this has gotten me a little fired up. Well, and we, and we appreciate the, uh, the vim and vigor. I do. I, I, uh, <laughs> it's a sad situation. Uh, we do already have our first caller on the Big Head Barbecue Hotline. Uh, check out Big Head Barbecue at BigHeadsBBQ.net. Uh, but our first caller of the night is uh, Colin Big C. McGuire from Greenville, Alabama. What's up, Big C? I, I'm calling you when you said to give me a call. I'm hanging in there. I hate that we lost today. I don't, what do y'all know what's going to happen? Are y'all having any earthly idea? Well, the buzz seems to be that he'll likely stay, Big C. If he does, it's going to ruin the program. Uh, it's going to be on Bill Battle's tombstone. Uh, I, I, I will personally roast Bill Battle on my show Monday if Anthony Grant's still employed. I know he's going to be roasted uh, by a good friend of mine, Ryan Fowler, on Tuscaloosa Radio tonight. All of it's justified. All of it is deserved if he does not make a move, in my opinion, because like Thomas said, he's basically just apathetic. I, he's just basically throwing up his hands like, let the new guy make the hire because I guess I'm gutless and I can't do it. I mean, the bottom line is you took a job, do your job. You took it, whether it was going to be two, three, or four years for Mal Moore, who I, I guess pretty much chose Bill Battle, along with the Board of Trustees and Paul Bryant Jr. Well, guess what? Nick Saban almost went to Texas. What would you have done if he had gone? If he had left last year? Would you have just left that for the new guy too? So I'm just saying Bill Battle needs to get off his butt and do his job. And Big wow. Steve, reiterate. Kind of what Drew was saying, uh, 
Wimp Sanderson went on Birmingham radio today uh, and guaranteed that Grant would be back because of his sources. He said there's not any doubt about it. And then Cecil Hurt, I guess, was on a fine bomb, and he dropped a strong hint that Grant will be back. So right now, we don't have any evidence that there's going to be a change made. Uh, there's a small chance they might get picked Sunday night to go to the NIT and maybe win another game or two. Um, I, I almost hope they don't get picked because it's so horrible to watch. But it is. At the same time, uh, you, you hate to pull for somebody like Levi Randolph or Rodney Cooper to have to end their career the way that they ended today. I can't really blame them. They came. They were slow to build goods when they came in here on what they thought the program would be able to accomplish in their four years, and and it didn't happen. So, uh, it's not the players' fault, man. I'm not. They, you know, the effort was there for most of the season from those guys. Uh, I don't think they played as hard as they could the whole all the time. The part of that is because they're not being coached well. They're all frustrated. They realize these morons that are being paid a lot of money that are supposed to, you know, develop them as basketball players are not, that they're basically FOS. And, I mean, that's why so many people have transferred. That's why you've got Mark Godfrey, who is, to me, still a slightly above-average coach, a really good recruiter, not a great game coach, but he knows how to get players. I don't think there's any doubt about that. He takes Trevor Lacey. And then now Trevor, I was watching him last night when they beat Pitt. He looks like himself. First of all, he's in better shape because they actually have a strength coach that's worth a crap, and he lost a bunch of weight. And he just he, his body language is great. His smile is what it used to be at Butler High School. He looks like he's back at Butler High School. And I talked to someone that spent three days with him last night in December, and he said, I just feel more respected here. And he goes, and now I guess hopefully I'm going to start proving to people that you can leave the state of Alabama to play college basketball and do well. Think about what he's saying. He's basically saying you don't need to go to Alabama because, you know, in other words, the program's not worth a tinker's dang. And so that's where Alabama is right now. And so Bill Battle can sit on his butt back in Tuscaloosa and watch Bruce Pearl continue to be on every TV show and let Auburn pass us up in basketball, or he can actually do his job, act like he has a pulse, and make a move and try to fix this thing. Because the longer you wait, the worse it's going to get. And so that's just and it's ridiculous to me that Bill Battle is an alum of the school and he would let the basketball program that was so has such a proud tradition fall into a malaise like this because he's a lazy piece of garbage. Rant over. All right, we've uh, had 18 and a half minutes of roasting the basketball program, so let's turn it over to football. Big C, uh, Greenville High School got some pretty good news this week. Have you heard about yeah, that? Yeah, heard. Yeah, I saw that. Marlon Davidson is uh, Davidson is uh, leaving Carver and going back to Greenville High School. I don't know the story behind it, but uh, tell us what you've heard about that transfer, Dixie. Well, I I can say something, but I really don't want to say something on the air right now. I, I might talk to you off the air about it, but I have heard something on it. That's all I'm going to say. But he, I will say this is real interesting. His half-brother, Kenny Carter, is now on the staff at Auburn. I will say that. Yes, and he's uh, – so I believe, Big C, he's going to be living with his aunt. Is that correct? I'm not sure. I, I know somebody that might know. I might need to call him up. I can tell you because I really don't know who's moving in with or living with, but that might be. I'm not positive on that. Yes. Well, if it's not legit, you won't be playing because uh, the AHSAA strictly investigates all that stuff now. So, uh, 
you know. I, I was kind of wondering what happened when he went to Carver the first time, but now he's going to be back at Greenville, which I really find kind of strange because Carver has a pretty good program and he was really good friends yeah. with, with Mac Will, the linebacker that he's been visiting different schools with. Uh, I don't know, I mean, Drew, have you heard any details from this transfer? Uh, not a whole lot. Uh, just heard about it last night. I uh, heard that he was going to be moving in with his aunt uh, and staying with her since his mother had passed away. Uh, I I have not heard the reasons behind it. I can suspect it. Uh, I'm sure there's some Auburn motivation there, uh, trying to get him away from Carver High School, considering that Alabama get, has been getting a lot of kids out of there. Uh, and then and leads big, I think, for Mac Wilson and will sign Mac Wilson. Uh, they obviously probably want him away from that situation. Uh, you know, Big C's probably – knows a little bit more about it than I do. Uh, but, again, that's just what I heard last night, that he was going to move in with his aunt. And the first thing, just trying to, you know, connect the dots, is that uh, you would think that he was uh, that, that, that some Auburn, uh, some tomfoolery, as it's sometimes referred to, was going on. Well, I'll tell you what I've heard later. I just don't want to say nothing right now. Absolutely. To, uh, okay. Well, I, I just wanted to bring it up because you're you're in Greenville and he's moving from Montgomery back to Greenville where he played his tenth grade year at Greenville High. Yeah. And he played last year at uh, Carver. Did did very well. Probably yep. consensus number one player in the state. Really, in my book, some people might say Ben Davis, but I think Marlin's probably the number one player in the state. And uh, I realize Auburn hired his half brother, who I've been told he's not really that buddy buddy with. I don't know. Uh, but, uh, you know, Alabama still feels like they, they've got a great chance to sign him. Um, well, I guess we'll see. I, I you know, I, I hate to have a guy, and I do understand him needing somewhere solid to live, but I guess we'll just let all that shake out. The AHSAA will investigate him, and if he really is moving in with, aunt, with his aunt, then he'll be playing for Greenville Tigers this fall, and we'll just go from there. Yeah. You might be interested to bring it up since you're our uh, Greenville yeah. caller there. Yep, that's right. Well, I'll tell y'all more later. What else you got for you, see? Well, tell us about pro day yesterday. What have y'all heard on that? Did anybody rise, the stock rise up from doing yeah, that? Yeah, go ahead, Drew. I'll, I'll let Drew take that. Uh, you know, pro day went pretty well, BC. Uh, I think Oliver did well for himself. Uh, the first one that really stuck out in my mind also was Xavier Dixon. Uh, he ran under a 4.7. I ran a four six seven, four six eight, uh, and did really well. And look, it looked really fluid in the workouts. Looked like he was in really good shape. I think he can move himself into a third or fourth round draft pick uh, and be a, a three four outside linebacker. He's stout enough that he can play all three downs. He can play the run. He can rush the passer. He had a very good senior season. Uh, I thought Nudie Fowler looked much better. Uh, he had lost weight. Looked like he was down around the. High 240s, low 250s. He he didn't run as well as I was hoping. Uh, he ran in the 48s. Was hoping he'd get in the low 47s, maybe uh, mid 47s. Didn't do so. Uh, ran in the 48s, but he still looked like he was in much better shape than when he was at the combine. Uh, I thought it helped himself. I mean, he he clocked fourth a 438 uh, in the 40. Uh, he's, and he looks like he's 100% healthy now. I mean, he had some injury issues at Alabama. Always seemed to kind of stay hurt, but always, you know, thought he was a talented player. Uh, Christian Jones ran a 4-5-1, uh, and he really needs to work out well considering his season was a disappointment. Uh, 
But and I and of course guys that didn't look so good. And this will not shock anybody. Brown thought he looked sloppy. Uh, you know, just I didn't think he was in very good shape. Didn't move very well. Um, and then I thought uh, also uh, someone else that was not great, but uh, you know he looked okay. He, but he he was okay. But Trey DePriest, he ran in the four eight. I still felt like he didn't look like he was in great shape, but. And then I know someone else that did look good that ran in the four fives that I should have mentioned before was T.J. Yeldon. I thought he looked really good. I thought he looked ripped. I think he's finally healthy. Uh, I still think he's underrated. He can do everything well. He can walk, run, catch, got good vision. I think he can be a third-round pick and be a steal for somebody. I've even heard, you know, rumblings about the Dallas Cowboys. If they can't make a deal for Adrian Peterson now that fly Eagles fly for DeMarco Murray, I mean, we'll see. I mean, I still think TJ could have a very solid pro career. Um, and I overall, I just – and Blake Sims, he didn't throw the ball great. But I'm going to be honest, I think Blake Sims is a gamer. He's always going to throw the ball better in the game than he's going to in a drill, in my opinion. DJ, uh, in basketball, Antoine Petway was the same thing when we had him with the Huntsville flight. He would look like crap in the drills. And then you put him out there with the game with the people watching in the stands and he would look good. I think Blake Sims. I'm not. He's not. I don't think Blake Sims is going to play in the NFL, really, uh, honestly. But I just think if you put him out there in a the game, he's going to look better than he's going to in a in a, in a, in a pro day workout. But uh, and then of course Amari Cooper. He didn't run the forty, but I thought he looked really good. He ran good routes. He caught the football. He's got great hands. I mean, he's a lock first rounder. Uh, and so is Landon Collins. He looked. I thought he looked good in the defensive back drills. Overall, I thought it was a good showcase for Alabama. They had about 17 guys work out, and uh, I think most of them helped themselves. I think Brian Bogle helped himself, too. Yeah, that's a good point, Kerry. That's one I did not talk about. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. He ran a 4.7, which kind of shocked a lot of people. I would have thought 4.9, maybe 5 flat. Uh, But I will say say this about Vogler. I still think he's going to have trouble making a squad because he's just not physical enough and not a good enough blocker. But I hope he does. He obviously, like Kerry said, helped himself because when you're six foot, nearly you're over six foot six, and you're two hundred fifty plus pounds, and you run a four seven one, you know, uh, he really helped himself. That's a good point, Kerry. Well, what there's about, something I just wa- I want to jump in real quick because the NFL is fun for me. Aside from pro day, the thing that's become most come most interesting across my draft wires is the success of the Alabama players. There was a problem with certain, you know, early in Nick Saban's tenure, certain players just not performing up to expectations. You know, you still have Trent Richardson being bad, but watching Mark Ingram get paid his second contract, Kareem Jackson get paid, James Carpenter signing, you're get, it's changing the perception amongst NFL teams that tied players get ridden hard and put up wet. Now it's like, wow, these guys are able to stick in the league. Let's draft or sign more of them. So there's a major perception shift going on amongst uh, amongst NFL teams with regard to any Alabama player. Just a point I wanted to bring up. I'm sorry, Big C. Go ahead. Uh, I'll talking about Blake Sims. If he can't make it in the NFL, wouldn't he be pretty pretty good for the Canadian Football League? This style. Of I'm sure he might get a look. Not really this year. This season starts before the NFL does. But you don't think he's going to play in the NFL? Is that what you think, Drew? That's your opinion? I don't think so. I think he'll 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 get a, he'll probably sign as an undrafted free agent and get a chance. 
But, uh, yeah. you know, you're right. He could end up getting a shot in the Canadian Football League or even some arena football. But uh, I really uh, I don't anticipate him uh, playing in the NFL. I hope he does. I hope he shocks everybody. I hope he keeps it up. But uh, I just yeah. think it's not likely. Yeah. Big shout out to right. Watson, Nerf Baldwin, too, for uh, taking a shot at me for simply pointing out PJ Young, Young, fumbling gun. He's on their podcast. Thanks a lot. I knew I was going to get that. Yeah, and I, I well, simply pointed out a fact, and, you know, Murph, you know, you can't tell Murph anything. He wants to come back with all these great accolades and all that. But, you know, the clutch fumbles were 2-1 to one over the clutch touchdowns in his career. Well, I'll just give y'all a holler back next week, and Drew, I'll be talking to you in the morning time. All right, man. I appreciate it, Big C. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Kerry. Big C. All right. Thank you, Big C. How Big C. McGuire with a uh, a call from Greenville, Alabama, where uh, the Tigers have uh, reunited with defensive end Marlon Davidson. Um, yeah, just reading a little bit about that, Kerry. It just sounded like his family uh, wanted him to come back after his mother passed away, and it looks like it was really tragic. She uh, suffered a head injury uh, and passed away, and the aunt wanted him to come back and, I guess, kind of help out with the family and whatnot. So uh, it's, a, it's a sad situation. You would have liked to have seen a young man be able to stay where he felt the most comfortable if he wanted to stay at Carver, and it sounded like he did. But I think his family wanted him back home. Well, I'm still going to the Bravo Carver game this fall. Whether or not he's there, I'm, I'm going to be there. I've been there checking out Mac. And the highly underrated Kingston Davis, you learned back for So uh, anyway, yeah, he's a, he's a good back. But you know, uh, yeah, but we'll, hey, I was just going to let you guys know that Fine Bomb has uh, put up a little graphic about Anthony Grant in his six years, and talked about how, he, of course, he was zero one in the NCAA tournament, but uh, against top twenty-five teams, I think he's three and twenty-eight, and uh, and then, but of course, the thing at the bottom is he's nine and three against Auburn. Who gives a rat's rip? That's all I'll say. It's great you're beating your in-state rival, but Auburn basketball, despite their two wins today, or, I mean, uh, in the last two days, it's been all well and good, but obviously uh, they're still headed nowhere because they're going to – they'll they'll lose tomorrow. I couldn't believe some of their fans were calling in saying they're going to beat Kentucky. I'd like to, you know, know what they're smoking. But uh, they Uh, – It'll it'll all come crashing down soon enough. They can't go anywhere. Uh, and as far as what you said about uh, Florida and, and the CIT and the CBI, the SEC doesn't allow their teams to do that. Oh, okay. I, I, I wasn't, um, I, I wasn't at, at one point that. they did, but they don't anymore. I wanted, before we uh, have our first uh, guest of the night, I wanted to talk about some of the other Alabama sports that are, that are doing quite well. Uh, I was able to attend number 112 in a row this past Sunday over Auburn in gymnastics. Uh, it was a very close meet. Uh, and uh, if Auburn had not had a girl fall off of the beam, uh, A, or had a girl just freak out on three vault runs and never touch the ball and take a zero, they they got to drop it. But, uh, you know, <laughs> if, if any of those things hadn't happened, the streak might have ended. I'm, I'm very serious about that. But it didn't. Uh, it's 112 in a row, and uh, the Crimson Tide is number five this week. They get to host number one LSU. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. They get to uh, host number one Oklahoma. Uh, tomorrow, so they've got their hands full there. Uh, the baseball team went on the road and played in Mobile uh, and took two out of three from last weekend. They had two problems laying down against Alabama A&M. They'll try to reschedule that, and the game was to be played this past Tuesday. Um, 
the Alabama softball team continues to do well. Uh, they swept this weekend, and uh, they are going to be traveling to Georgia in a matchup of uh, top ten teams. Uh, so that's that's a uh, you know oh and the uh, the indoor track team we haven't really mentioned this but uh, Marlon Humphrey is a member of the four by four hundred relay team that has set a school record and qualified for the NCAA indoor meet. And then some other, some other people uh, in the secondary uh, with him are also running track this year. Bradley Sylvia is running. Uh, you have Anthony Averett running, and of course Tony Brown. So you have four guys in the secondary that are on the track team, just getting faster. And uh, so when the four quarter program comes around, they just laugh at everybody because they already been getting their running in. But uh, Marlin is going to be competing for the University of Alabama uh, in the NCAA tournament, uh, NCAA indoor track meet. So uh, you got that going on. Uh, that's let's see. You have uh, uh, the the women's tennis is doing well. The men's golf is doing well. Uh, everything's on the up and up pretty much. Except well, now the women's basketball team uh, had an ugly finish to their season. They went down to Auburn and lost the last regular season game. Then they lost in the first round of the SEC women's tournament last week to Vandy. So they had a really tough tough season. But it's a situation where. Uh, Christy Curry is uh, slowly but surely getting all her own recruits in there, and I think you'll continue to see that program improve. She's actually got a track record for doing that. And uh, shout-out to uh, Drew. I know you'll be proud to hear that uh, Shakira Wade, Alabama's signee from Huntsville, has been named the uh, Gatorade uh, Women's Player of the Year for the state just this week. Yes, uh, she was named this week as the Gatorade Player of the Year. She was always also Birmingham Tip-Off Club Player of the Year. Uh, Well-deserved. She had a great career. Uh, obviously, she didn't finish it. As a as a player, the way she wanted to, um, they they didn't uh, you know d- do very well in the final four against McGill Tulin, but they had a great run the regular season. Uh, won the Huntsville Times Women's Classic, were number one for most of the year in the rankings. Uh, McGill Tulin ended up losing a very close game by, by one point, one or two points. I think it was two points actually to Jeff Davis's girls. So uh, obviously uh, that McGill was a very good basketball team, and Huntsville had a really good year. Just didn't play as well as they wanted to in Birmingham, but. She had a, a storied career and helped, you know, resuscitate uh, girls' basketball at Huntsville High School and everything. All the awards she's got, she's earned, and really looking forward to seeing her in Crimson. Uh, I'm, she uh, uh, she will also be, I believe, in Alabama-Mississippi Girls Classic uh, coming up on, on the 20th in, uh, in just a few next week. This coming Friday uh, in March. So uh, looking forward to, you know, the, seeing how she does there. She was MVP, I think, of the North-South All-Star game this past uh summer, so she's always stepped up on the big stages, and uh, hopefully she'll do so again. True, we've got our first uh, guest online uh, on the Big Head Barbecue Hotline, uh, BigHeadBBQ.net's the website, but I'm going to go ahead and let you introduce our first guest of the evening. Absolutely, and we really appreciate him calling in and rescheduling with us after you know, we had some technical difficulties last week, but uh, we are proud to welcome uh, uh, Coach Jeff Kelly of Sarah Land High School. Uh, He's built a powerhouse in a very short period of time, in five years, uh, down in Mobile. And uh, they are coming off of their best season in school history, uh, Super 6, or Super 7, got to get used to saying that now, appearance against a very good Clay Chalkville team. And I felt like it was the best game of the Super 7. They lost a 36-31, just a great football game, led for much of the second half of that game against a very talented uh, Cougar team. But, Coach Kelly, welcome to BAMS Radio tonight, and we really appreciate you calling. Hey, good afternoon. I, I appreciate uh, you guys having me on. I hope y'all are doing well. 
things are a little bit warmer than it was this time last week, wasn't it? <laughs> oh, yeah, just a little bit, Coach. Uh, you know, actually, I can see my car. Uh, it, it, it'll actually open now. <laughs> Everything was kind of frozen solid. We were in a holding pattern big time. Uh, obviously, uh, the, the, the weather's kind of wrecked havoc in the state a little bit the last weeks, a couple weeks or so. But we appreciate you hanging in there with us and coming back on. And we just uh, we, we we look forward to talking a little ball with you today about uh, Sarah Land and the Trojans and. We, first of all, want to congratulate you on the program that you and your staff have built. Uh, obviously, in five years, uh, that's a short amount of time. Uh, you've already built a very fine, uh, consistent program, and uh, it's just a credit to you and your coaches. Well, I appreciate that. We, uh, you know, I, I'm I'm lucky to get a chance to go to work here every day. We've got some outstanding coaches. Um, you know, they, they make my job really easy and uh, – We've got a lot of veterans. We've got a good mix of guys. That uh, got some guys that's been around a long time. We've got uh, some very savvy, knowledgeable coaches. And most importantly, we got some unbelievable high character guys that work with our kids on a daily basis. And, and our president, he lets all our coaches work and supports us. And uh, you know, it's got to be done right. And, and uh, you know, with our our success, you know, anything we may have, it starts at the top with her. She's been, uh, she's tremendous lady to work for. No question about it. And just and, and talk about a little bit the success that you guys had. I mean, obviously, you were able to get over the hump against a very fine program that Coach Freeman had built at Spanish Fort uh, last year. Uh, you guys had a a fourteen to ten win in the semifinals and had lost a, a very close game to them, if I remember correctly, in the regular season. But uh, right. just kind of talk about the, the journey your team was on. Because beating Spanish Ford, is, I know they had the injury at quarterback, but that's no small feat. Well, you know, they're a good football team, and they're a good program, and they're still, you know, going to be one of the best teams in the state going in this year, and, and, uh, and they'll be around. You know, whoever's going to be up there, they're going to have to, you know, they're going to have to deal with Spanish Ford, and, uh, you know, hopefully – People are, are looking at us in that same pattern. You know, we've been just finished our fourth season here, and and uh, there's been so many things changed over those four years. There's, uh, you know, our uh, our players, our, our strength level, and you know, just the level of of, of depth and, and talent has has just done, you know went through the roof. And a lot of our credit, you know, you talk about building over the years. You know, we we're a city school system. We get our kids from here in the city, and, and uh, you know, the good thing about that is coaches, you know, we go down there, we know who the kids are in sixth, seventh, eighth grade, and and uh, Coach Jeff Whitten is one of our coaches. He runs our strength conditioning program here with our system. <clears throat> you know, he does a great job training our guys. You know, he, he puts them through it, a year-round program that, um, you know, has really, I think, been one of the secrets to our success over the years, you know, you think back four years ago, we've been fortunate, we've been in playoffs every year, but uh, in the second year of existence, we we made it in 4A and enrollment kept going, we made it in 5A and everybody didn't think we could compete, and two years into 5A, we're in the semifinals, we got bumped to 6A, and you know, our kids just continue to answer the bell and they show up to work every day, we don't have a, a, a glamorous bunch or a you know, a ton of four or five star guys. We got some really good players, but we got we got a bunch of kids that show up and work every day and they bring their hard hat and they, they love to compete, they love to hit the weight room, they love to practice when it gets time out there on the field. 
And, uh, you know, for a coach, I don't know what else you can ask for. Uh, but we are excited about, you know, where we've been. We've got to find a way to get over the hump and win the big game. And uh, and that's what we're continually, continually preaching to our kids. Right now we've had a good run, but we've really, you know, we've yet to win a region championship. We've yet to win a state championship. We've, there's a ton of things that we hadn't done. we got a lot of work to do. But it's, uh, you know, that journey that you talk about, that's that's a lot of fun. Coach Kelly, this is Kerry Clark with Bama Magazine and Scout.com. We hadn't talked for about five years. I think the last time me and you talked was when you brought Jackson down to Bryant Union in 2009. But it's great <clears> to have you on the show. And I wanted to also tell you that we have a mutual friend, uh, Wayne Vickers, his wife Pam, was actually in my wedding. So we know a lot of the same people. Wow. There's not many people. There's not better, uh, many better individuals out there. She's such a talented counselor. She's got a great heart. For those kids, I know Alabaster was was excited to to get uh, her husband, you know, Doctor Wayne Vickers. But uh, maybe the biggest kid in that system was was Miss Pam, his wife. She's a tremendous educator. Yes, great great people, uh, good friends of, of my family, and uh, actually learned this week that their uh, their son Jordan is about to sign to be the long snapper at Birmingham Southern in the next few years. Coach, I thought I'd pass that along to you also. Um, hey, that's yeah. Jordan. That's that's great, great news. Yeah, I, did, I figured you might not have heard about it yet. I think they really hadn't gone public, but uh, we're not really breaking anything. You can really sign any day now, Coach. Uh, again, we appreciate having you tonight. I wanted to. We both got a bunch of stuff we want to ask you, but uh, I wanted to start off with asking you actually about a couple of your former players uh, before we get to Sarah Land. I wanted to ask you to tell us a little bit about. Uh, uh, well, I'm sorry, they didn't play for you. Never mind. I was saying to Coach Kelly, Coach Kelly's coming on in a couple of weeks. <laughs> All right. Well, my question is, when y'all played played Chapel in, right. in the state championship over over Jordan Hare, uh, tell me uh, from an evaluation and from a scheming point of view, uh, what jo- jumped out at you about their two good receivers? They had a, they had a great junior and a great. Well, last year was a sophomore, and y'all had to go against that. You know what, I've taught, you know, when you look at them, and we, we played some good teams moving up to them, but when we saw them on tape, you know, the thing that jumped out, I, I thought they were easily the fastest team in the state that we've, you know, and I, I hadn't seen Hoover. I, I don't know, but from a team speed, especially offensively, you know, their quarterback was extremely elusive. Their tailback, you know, even the one that, that came in after the guy got hurt, uh, he was a dynamic player, but you know they had they had those two receivers. The other two guys that played in their bunch were really good too. You know it, they were so balanced, they were so good all over the place that that you really couldn't come in with a plan to necessarily try to take away one guy. You know a lot of times you'll play a team that's got a a guy that's much better than the other one, and you can maybe roll some coverage that way and do some special things, but. You know, Clay Chalkwell was a team that, that you had to line up and play, you know, almost base defense. You know, you had to, you know, you couldn't sell out against a pass because our quarterback could hurt you so good, so much in the run game. Uh, you know, we were not a great, you know, man-to-man cover team. If you go back and look at what we did, that was a very little part of what we did. So, I mean, we're a zone team, and, uh, you know, we tried to, 
let the play happen in front of us, and, and we wanted to make that quarterback, you know, take uh, take a uh, uh, their drive and make it make it ten or twelve plays before they got to the end zone. They they had lived by the big play all year long, and uh, and I thought our coaches put together a great plan. We really did a great job limiting those guys compared to what they've done through the season. Uh, and if you take away the last four minutes of the game. You know, we really did a good job of it. We just, uh, you know, there, there a couple of those receivers got loose on us late, and uh, you know, we had uh, we had a guy making his first start at back at safety in the state championship game. Our our safety had uh, you know broke his leg the week before, and uh, you know, so that, and that's not an excuse. So, but you know, they uh, they found us in that in that spot and uh, able to hit us with a few deals, but. Those guys were, were very, very fast, talented. I know one of them committed to Alabama, I think, a couple of weeks ago, and the other one's got offers from all over the place. And, and they're going to be around this year, too. You know, they didn't lose very much. You know, they lost a few defensive players, but you know, overall they're a, uh, a team that's bringing back a lot of firepower. And, you know, I, I know Stuart Floyd is their offensive coordinator, no Coach Hood. Uh, Stuart was one of my teammates in college, and, and I know those guys will have them ready. And, you know, and, and uh, somebody's going to have to beat them. And, uh, you know, I'd love to get another opportunity. But they were very good, very talented, speed everywhere. Uh, and it really made it tough. You couldn't just, just sell out to one guy or one, you know, phase of that game. You had to you had to try to play as balanced as you could. And the guys, the guys that Coach is talking about, just for the benefit of the listeners, Alabama commitment, T.J. Simmons, who will be a senior at Clay Caldwell next year, and uh, six five, uh, rising junior, just a sophomore right now. Nico Collins is the other one, and his defense had to go against both those guys in the state championship. Coach, to properly ask the question I was going to ask, you have coached against Spanish sport a number of times in the last few years. It seems like y'all sometimes have to play them twice every year. Too I want many to ask times. your opinion. Yeah, I'm saying no, nobody looks forward to going against them. They're basically the Hoover of Mobile. <laughs> Uh, hey, but, uh, so we're going to get yeah, was, we're getting those cats to come to our place this year. We went over there three times in a row in the last two years, so we're excited to uh, to get them to come well, to Saraland. Your stadium is going to be packed, and cars will be all up and down the the access road there. Uh, and I have seen your stadium; it's very beautiful. Doctor Vickers took me around and showed me while I was down there visiting one time. But getting back to my question, tell us what you think about first off the Spanish Fort quarterback. These boys are brothers. Tyler Johnson, and then his younger brother, the linebacker Thomas Johnson. You played against them more than anybody, coach. Tell us how you and those ball players. You know what? Those guys may be two of the biggest competitors of anybody I've seen in high school in a long time. I know them, know them well. I've got to know them well. I see them. I see uh, see a lot of those brothers every weekend. I, I've got a little son, and they got a little brother that plays against each other every weekend. And, Travel baseball, and so I, I've gotten to know those those kids. They're they're outstanding guys. You know, their quarterback is uh, the heart and soul of that football team. Uh, you know, and he's he's an outstanding player. I think I think they're the Thomas, the younger the younger one, is uh, is one of the best outside backers I've seen in a long time. I watched him play baseball last week. He's an outstanding third baseman. I wouldn't be surprised if he don't end up getting drafted in baseball. He's just a, a great kid. But, uh, you know, Ben Blackman's going to walk in there and do a great job. But, you know, those uh, those kids have the mentality. We played them in some big 
some big games. We played them in the semifinals both years with a lot on the line, and, and uh, there's a ton of intensity that goes into walking into to the hill over at Spanish Ford and playing in a semifinal game. And and those, you, you'll see, and I and I've always I like to watch guys and those players that come out jumping and hooping and hollering and and, and trying to you know talk some smack or maybe get in that other team's head, and everybody's really excited. And then you see the two brothers walk out behind everybody else. They're not saying a word. They're they're still stone stone eyed. You know they're getting ready to play. They just show up and they get after it. They're uh, they're awful good football players. Coach, I wanted to talk about some of your guys, and you, you had a very good football team, obviously, last year, and I wanted to talk about somebody that I think is going to continue to up his profile. I talked to him on the phone. I felt like he was a class young man and a class act, and I wanted to talk about Velas Jones, uh, your receiver. I, I He really finished the year strong for you. I mean, he, he made some, some big plays in that, again, in Spanish forward in the semifinals, and made a big, had a touchdown catch in the, in the Super 7, if I do remember correctly, and and, and put it up on uh, Just talk about Velas and 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 the how, the journey he's been on, and and he's in his best football still ahead of him. Yeah, you know I agree with you. You know Velas is a guy that uh, he's a hardworking kid. He's a tough kid. He loves to block. Not many wide receivers really take the, the pride. I think that he does. He's a great, intense football player. You know, he's very explosive. He's he's as fast as, as just about anybody out there. Um, he's got a huge knack for making the big play. He caught a ton of, you know, go balls and post and that kind of stuff. And I'm really proud of him. You know, he's gotten a lot of notoriety over the last couple of months. And, you know, he's got about 20 offers now. And uh, about six weeks ago, wow. he had zero offers. And, uh you know, so he's a guy, really? and he's got some he's got some big time offers from all all around the country. You know, SEC schools. He was offered by mm-hmm. UCLA this past week, Louisville, you know, Florida, and you know, and he's uh, very proud of him, and, and he's handling all of that really, really well. He's he's not a guy that likes to talk about that kind of stuff and 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 go through it, but he's a guy that. Uh, you know, shows up and wants to be the best football player he can be and try to help his team, you know, maybe get back to uh, the Super 7 and, and maybe come out the best, you know, as the best this year during senior year. But he's uh, he's a really good player. Uh, changes directions. He very is. explosive. Uh, you know, so I'm, I'm tickled to death that he's on our side. No doubt. And I got some talking to him. He, he basically told me, he said, "I he grew up in Auburn family. He was a young kid. But he said, I'm taking this is a business decision, which I think it sounds is is well is a great approach for him to take. I mean, he's just going to take it all in. And he's he's just going to get to his head, just evaluate the schools that offer him. And like he said, just keep working because he just wants to keep getting better. And uh, there's no doubt about it. Uh, he had a great year, over a thousand yards receiving. And obviously now." Uh, you, there's been a buzz about a young quarterback that you've got that'll be starting for you this year uh, in his first year, Jack West. And I started hearing about him last year, and I talked to him, and he was a class young man. You, you, he, he, uh, he obviously you got some really good kids in your program, and he. Uh, and I was surprised because when I started hearing about him, I, I didn't realize he didn't start until I talked to him. 
And uh, he told me, you know, I, I've gotten a chance to play in several games, but I back up a, a young man, or I, I back up Chris Weaver. And I wanted to talk to you about Weaver as well because I know he's going to Louisiana Lafayette. He's already, he's already, uh, or the University of Louisiana, I guess is what they call it now. But he's already signed yeah. with them, and he really impressed me. It's kind of a mini Tim Tebow and kind of a heart of your football team last year in the Super Seven. Yeah, you know, Chris is a, Chris is a guy that uh, I think you know four years from now there's going to be a lot of people that know about him. He's uh, he is a tremendous leader. Uh, you know, tough, tough as nails, can make all the throws, and he's an athletic guy that can get involved in the run game. Uh, you know, and he's really played quarterback for one year, and uh, so I was really proud of him. He's going to wow. be a, a, a you know, there's not many guys that play quarterback one year and. You know, what people don't know, that he's probably was probably one of the best. He was the first-team All-State linebacker last year. And so he goes from an All-State linebacker to a Division One quarterback. Just gives you an idea what kind of athletic ability he's got. But, you know, Jack is a kid that, uh, you know, has, uh, you know, everything that you can look for. You know, he's 6'3 and a half, 205, 210. You know, he's an athletic kid. He's probably going to be a, a – 30 to 35 ACT guy when it's said and done. Uh, he, uh, you know, football is, is a deal that, you know, he's been with me for the last five or six years since he's been about the fifth grade. Uh, and, you know, there's not many fifth grade, sixth grade kids out there that want to come and, and uh, you know, sit in and on meetings and sit in on quarterback meetings with the older kids. And that, he is he's one of the biggest students of the game. I know there's some tremendous names and some some tremendous comparisons that's that's going to be made about him in the future. I really think he's got a chance to be one of the best guys nationwide. Uh, you know, he can throw it with anybody. Uh, I'm excited, but he, he's a kid that uh, you know he's never he's played some mop up duty. He's got three offers and he's never started a football game. You know, division one. All. I, I think that he, uh, you know, he's going to show up hungry. He is hungry. He's one of the best leaders. You know, after we finish lifting, we got a bunch of older guys. You know, when you got a ninth grader in there taking charge and, and breaking down the team and, and setting up times for guys to go work after school or whatever, uh, there's not many ninth grade kids out there out there that command that kind of respect from his teammates. Uh, you know, Jack's a guy that's got to go earn. Uh, We've done a lot of talk about him for the last few years, and he'll be the first to tell you. You know, he hasn't done a thing yet, and uh, you know he's got to show up, and, and he's got to he's got to do it. You know, third and ten. You know, versus the Daphnes, versus the Spanish force, and the Bloods. He's got to be able to stay down the gun barrel when guys are blitzing and bringing pressure, and be able to make that tough throw. And, and uh, the next three years is going to be fun to watch him grow and develop as a quarterback. Well, there's no doubt about that, Coach. And I got that idea from talking to him uh, last this past fall. I, I, I got a hold of him on Twitter, and then we we talked on the phone. And he just he told me he was the one that told me, of course, about his situation then with Chris Weaver. And I felt like he was still very humble about it. You could tell that he respected what and he said Weaver had taught him a lot about leadership and uh, and how to and how to be a better quarterback. And he was taking it and waiting for his turn. And now. He's got an opportunity to uh, to be a three-year starter for you. 
Obviously, your yep. you guys' expectations are still going to be high going in, but just kind of talk about oh, yeah. the schedule next year. Is, are you, how, who, who you guys have lined up to play, and just tell our listeners what are, what to be anticipating. It is a uh, you know it is a tough schedule. You know we play our region. You know you got Spanish Fort, you got Blunt, you got Daphne. Uh, you know it, it starts and stops with those three teams. If you don't have any success, you got to be able to beat those guys. Uh, you've got a lot of uh, you got a lot of other teams that's right there on the cusp of of, of taking that next step. You know, teams like Lafleur and Robertsdale that uh, any given year can show up and and break your heart. And so you got to be ready week uh, week in week out. We're going we're going to play a, you know a preseason game, a jamboree game versus Jackson. You know, a five A 5A semifinal team, and and uh, you know we know they're going to yes. Uh, test us really good and, and and hopefully get us ready to go, uh, you know. But we're we're looking forward to spring. We got a bunch of kids and we want to really uh, see those guys compete and just see what they can uh, what they can do. We you know our, our spring is very physical and uh, you know we like to put those guys in as many competitive situations as we can and and uh, you know we got to have some guys step up. You know we we talked about Weaver and. Those guys that are graduating and going, we got a couple of linebackers that are leaving. That was, you know, good players for us for a long time, and so uh, so we got a lot to to learn about our team this spring. And you know, if we if we develop and work hard, we'll have a chance to to have a a decent football team when it's said and done, and, and uh, that's what we're hoping for. Coach Kelly, this is Kerry again. Uh, we're not going to keep you too much longer, but I do have one final question for you. And and I hope that uh, that Jack West realizes how fortunate he is, because coach, when they sit around the Cracker Barrel in Hattiesburg and they talk about uh, Southern Miss football, <laughs> the quarterback conversation starts with Brett Favre, and then it goes on to Reggie Collier, and then it gets to Jeff Kelly. And uh, I don't know if a lot of people listening to this realize that you are a quarterback at Southern Miss, and that you did play. This is an Alabama radio show, and you did play against the University of Alabama. So I was wondering if maybe you could share with us some of your memories about playing against the Crimson Tide back when you quarterbacked the Golden Eagles. Yeah, you know, back back when I was playing them, it was, uh, you know, some years we played them at Bryant-Diddy and some years we played them at Legion Field. And uh, it was a different atmosphere when we played them at Bryant-Diddy. You know, and Legion Field was, I know there was a lot of tradition and that kind of stuff. And uh, But Alabama was a different football team when they were playing on campus. And, uh, you know, we, we, we would have rather played them at Legion every year. And, and we did beat them, you know, early in the season one year, my my junior year. But, uh, you know, it was, uh, you know, it, it was always fun to line up and play those guys. You know, there was a lot of Alabama kids on the Southern Miss football team. And, and there's, you know, so there was a lot of guys that, that showed up in that game with chips on their shoulders and, you know, a little bit extra in the tank maybe getting ready to play and and uh so it was it was always fun you know we, the, the year would beat them uh, that was a that was a great you know experience and you know cuz you, know, you grow up in Alabama you know and and you don't get an opportunity to go to school there for whatever reason this uh you know if you ever get a chance to go back and come out on the good end that was that's uh that's a good feeling but you know it was all it was a tremendous atmosphere and and there's so there's been so much uh, tradition over the years and good players come through Tuscaloosa, but 
we were uh, we were happy to go compete with them, and we used to do it every year. I know they don't do it now like that, but uh, that was an annual deal for us when we were coming through at Southern Miss. Yes, it was, and uh, I, I I admit I, I missed the game. I think uh, I think they they gave Alabama as good an out of conference competition as anybody. I hope that program is going to finally get back up on the uptick because it was one of the most, you know, unheralded programs that continued to turn out NFL players and and really good college players overall. I always enjoyed uh, watching them play, and uh, they always seem to pull an upset every other season. Uh, Hopefully, you know, that that program will get back on uh, solid ground soon, Coach. But we appreciate you joining us on uh, BAMS tonight. It's been a quick, you know, 30 minutes or so, 25 minutes, and, we know you're a busy uh, guy. Obviously, you guys are getting ready for spring football, but we, have, we really admire the program you built at Sarah Land. Uh, I started really hearing the buzz about them last year, and uh, we, we look forward to hopefully seeing you get back this year, next year, to Bryant-Denny Stadium uh, for the Super 7. And we think you're definitely going to have a program that's going to be one of the better ones in the state from this point forward as long as you're the head coach there. And we appreciate you joining us tonight. Well, thank you all so much for having us. Uh, we'll look forward to talking to you in the future. Thank yes, you. sir. We hope to have you, you on coach. again. Thank you, Coach. Bye-bye. All right, folks, that was Coach Jeff Kelly of the Sarah Land Spartans. Uh, Sarah Land, if you're not familiar, is uh, just a little bit north of uh, downtown Mobile, right off 65. Uh, it's a fairly new high school. This is only the fifth year they've had a varsity program. And uh, he had them all the way to the state championship last year in Jordan Hare and lost a heartbreaker, really, to Clay Chalkville. And as Coach pointed out, he was also a former quarterback for the University of Southern Mississippi Golden Eagles. And uh, we are going to take our one and only break of the evening now. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes. You're listening to BAMS Radio, a member of the BAMS Sports Radio family.
Again, the call in number for live questions for myself, Thomas, and Drew is 714-510-3707. I'm Kerry Clark from BamaMag.com, joined as always by Drew DeArmond of AlabamaIntel.com and Thomas Watts of Touchdown Alabama Magazine. We've already had an interesting first hour. We heard from our regular caller, Big C. We heard from Coach Jeff Kelly of Sarah Land High School about prospects both from his school and from Spanish Fort. And uh, we did a little bit of a rant the first hour, but if you didn't hear it, we uh, talked about the uh, 69-61 Florida victory over Alabama to eliminate the Tide from the SEC men's basketball tournament. Four players in double figures, led by senior captain Levi Randolph with 15, uh, but it was not to be. Uh, Probably the only positive I got, uh, Drew, was another solid performance by Jimmy Taylor. Yeah, Jimmy, last couple of games, he was key against the, in the Texas A&M win, and he played pretty solid uh, today. Uh, still lacks strength, I think, and uh, that's not his fault. Obviously, uh, they don't have a strength coach. They've gone through two under Anthony Grant. That really, don't, You don't really see a whole lot of strength and development in the program, but what have we always talked about with strength coaches? They're only as good as their head coach. When your head coach is a fool, your strength coach is not very good. So that's basically where we're at right now. Jimmy played better the last two games. Proud for him. Hopefully they can get somebody in there that can actually coach him and give him a chance to develop because he shows flashes of being a big-time finisher around the rim. You'd like him to work to get a little bit better with his footwork, but, again, that just goes back to the the lack of, you know, fundamentals and development uh, from the coaching staff. Uh, you know, I, I, it's hard for me to believe two years ago they must be thanking the Lord they didn't do it, but that John Brandon almost got the head coaching job at Chattanooga. Uh, he, that would have gone that would have gone over about as well as Benny Seltzer at Sanford. And uh, but again, uh, I just overall I, I feel for the players. Uh, you know, they're not they I, they're you know, they they've been dealt a tough situation. Uh, they as you I thought you phrased it really well, Kerry, when you talked about uh, being sold a bill of goods. I think a lot of the parents have been sold the bill of goods, and uh, that's why I'm more afraid if they don't make a change, carry of the roster next year because I'm telling you there's a lot of buzz in one coming from someone that I know personally that I got to know uh, when I attended Alabama's basketball camp years ago that coached in the CBA, and when he's telling you two to five kids may transfer if there's not a change made, that's pretty terrifying. <laughs> okay, well. You never know what's going to happen with the transfer situation. We'd just be speculating. Uh, I did mention that oh, yeah, uh, we're not going to bring up 15, any names. Uh, uh, Taylor, Jimmy Taylor did have 15 also. Rodney Cooper fouled out with under five minutes to go with 13. Retina Bosselheim had 10. And then uh, Riley Norris had another good game at eight points and seven rebounds, had a couple threes. Um, one thing I noticed, and this is not really to do with Alabama, but uh, – 
they're playing the tournament, Drew, uh, at Bridgestone Arena in Nashville, which is the home of the Predators. And in every game they yes. play, the two last night and the two today, there's been guys that are slipping on slipping. Uh, oh, yeah. spots and soft spots on the floor because that wooden basketball floor is just above the ice that they use for the Predators yeah. game. And it seems kind of bizarre. One of the falls Rodney Cooper took, I was a little surprised he got up. I, I'm afraid somebody's going to get a severe injury from that if it's not rectified. Well, yeah, I can I can agree with that. And I'll say this, too, for Rodney Cooper. And uh, and the, the, when the, foul, the call he fouled out on was your typical pathetic, absolute clown show officiating that goes on in college basketball. That was a three-point play. Could have cut the lead to four. I don't think Alabama wins the game anyway, but he fouls out on it. These officials are M-O-R-O-N-S, morons who steal money. Most of them are clowns like Teddy Valentine who think that they're big – they're, they're, they're hot stuff because they're on TV every night. And unbelievably, Teddy Valentine banks two hundred and fifty k a year to go out and embarrass himself television with the way he officiates and the rest of the, some of these clowns that get to travel around do. It, it, I, to be honest, it, it's hard for me to believe, but officiating to me gets worse every year, and it is absolutely awful on the college level. It is so bad. They, they're so inconsistent. They either let you get beat to heck and they don't call anything, or they call every little touch foul. And they wouldn't. And to be honest, I think they all need – I know officiating is, is a judgmental thing, and it's not the easiest thing to do. But I'm telling you, these guys act like they're the stars of the game half the time, and they are absolute jokes. No argument here. Another big piece of news that came out uh, right after the Alabama game, really, was that uh, the SEC has chosen the successor to Mike Slive, who's retiring as commissioner on July 31st of this year. His successor is Greg Sankey, who is in his 13th year as a member of the SEC staff. He's an executive associate commissioner, basically the number two guy. And yeah. interestingly enough, Greg Sankey is an Auburn native, but he's Auburn, New York. Uh, he got a master's. He got a master's from Syracuse. Uh, he got his undergrad from the State University of New York in Cortland. Uh, he does live here in Birmingham, of course, because that's where the office is. Prior to his 13 years uh, serving under Mike Slive, he was for seven years the commissioner of the Southland Conference. And before that, he was at Northwestern in compliance. So Greg Sankey becomes the new SEC commissioner. Uh, effective basically August 1st of this year after Mike Slide retires. So that was some pretty interesting news. That That's kind of been expected for about six months, but nothing was ever yes. said officially until today. And, uh, you know, Roy Kramer first and then Mike Slide, they, they did a whole lot, particularly Slide, to advance the Southeastern Conference and bring in money to its coffers. So uh, Greg Sankey is uh, very well thought of. But basically, Drew, he's taking over a ship that uh, is already on cruise control, and all he's got to do is uh, is keep it going. Maintain. Yeah. Maintain. Exactly and, uh, right. It will continue to be the great conference it is. Absolutely. Uh, they'll obviously have a decision to make soon, Kerry. Uh, with, uh, and I think in a few more years, the SEC baseball tournament will move 
from Hoover, and they will they will probably have a rotation set up. Uh, but again, I, you know, I think Sankey will do a nice job. Uh, obviously, I think he Roy Kramer's legacy was the SEC championship game, but Slive took it to another level, helped it get this yep. playoff instituted, uh, helped get the bowl tie the SEC with a record number of bowl tie-ins. You know, helped him. Well, and he, and he and he set the wheels in motion to get the SEC network and uh, all the and he helped uh, foster softball into a great sport. Now the SEC, you could argue, is better than the Pac-12, uh, which used to rule softball because now the SEC has Alabama and Florida and was and it was an all SEC final. You know, last year in softball, so there's been two SEC schools winning in softball. Tennessee's also made the finals. So he's just done a great job of fostering athletics in the conference and making it very extremely profitable. Uh, all the schools are now are going to start reaping the benefit with the SEC network. So uh, it's just an exciting time. Uh, you hope Commissioner Schleib has a really good retirement. Uh, he earned his stripes. A uh, little bit, I guess the only thing that some people were upset about was the handling of some of the off-field stuff in football, but that's trivial uh, overall. Uh, he, he, I never felt like, unlike Roy Kramer, I didn't think Roy. I thought Roy kind of favored Tennessee and some things he did. I never felt like that with Slive. I always thought he was an even-handed individual for the most part. Yeah, you know, well, yeah. I mean, I definitely disagree with his uh, handling of the Cam Newton situation. But he had the well, yeah. best interests at heart. He wasn't right. going to go out of his way to call Sullivan a shot at the crown. And uh, he wanted the SEC to win another one. Alabama had started a role, and he wanted Dalton to continue it. And um, from from a business standpoint, I really couldn't fault him for how he kind of uh, turned the other way with what went on with Cam Newton. For, 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 yeah. for the benefit of the entire conference, he helped the conference. He helped all of them, which mm-hmm. picked up all, all of Alabama folks. But as a businessman that had 14 schools under him, I get it. I get it. And, uh, you know, well, let's and, give him credit on the expansion, too, Kerry. You know, bringing in Missouri, uh, bringing in, uh, obviously, uh, Texas A&M. And so far, they've had a really good impact all the way around with their athletics. And Missouri, everybody wondered if they could compete in football. They've made the last two championship games, despite the fact they got throttled, but they've still made it. Uh, Gary Pink on his squad have, have uh, adjusted well to this league. Obviously, uh, Kevin Sumlin. He's had some big wins uh, since the Aggies came to, in, to play football in, in Tuscaloosa and, uh, and uh, in the SEC. And to be honest, uh, I, I wondered how both of them would do, uh, you know, adjusting to the SEC. But I think they've both brought uh, some good things to the table in, in all sports. And uh, I think it's really worked out. And a lot of people were uh, skeptical, I think, when it first was announced. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's going to put into uh... – Every school's big markets. Uh, unfortunately, Bill Battle does not want to use that SEC network money to pay for a certain buyout. Well, I can say if he doesn't do it, boy, I'd hate to be him, and uh, I'd hate to have a legacy and be considered the Joab Thomas of athletic directors. Uh, I I know Steve Sloan got uh, labeled during that time, but it wasn't Steve Sloan's fault. He wanted to hire Bobby Bowden. Joab Thomas was a gutless moron. Academian who didn't give a rat's rip ball and was a, the anti Robert Witt did not realize that football would help the academic side of the school 
Uh, he was, uh, and and, uh, and he'll go down also. And he'll be, uh, they'll be, he'll be in the same boat if they don't make a change. I should, I, I forgot one other person that's going to two other people, I should say, that are going to be on the same kind of boat. It'll be a boat with Joab Thomas, Bob Bachrath, and uh, obviously Andrew Sorensen, and uh, all you know, all those people are reviled in Tuscaloosa for how um, for the moronic decisions they made and Bill Battle despite the fact he played for Coach Bryant, despite the fact, you know, he had a, a pretty good run at Tennessee as football coach and he you know he did a great job with his licensing company. Uh but again, uh if his legacy as an athletic director is at stake, uh if he does not, you know, listen to uh several of the big money boosters and several uh in my opinion of the and, and listen to the majority of the fans, he's going to uh, almost ruin the basketball program uh, that Peterson and C.M. Newton built. Uh, it's hard for me to believe. I know they're not going to go on the record, Kerry. Uh, I have heard from behind the scenes. I know Wimp Sanderson's not happy with things. I can't believe C.M. Newton would be, uh, obviously, with uh, the product on the floor. Those two guys were uh, Hall of Fame-level coaches. They knew they can see good basketball. when They, when they, when they know it when they see it. Uh, Alabama has not played good basketball in a very long time. Uh, obviously, the I, I and then and Kerry, I'm gonna. You've been around the program a lot as well. I have to say, this is as low as I've ever seen the interest level in Alabama basketball. I think so. Uh, the attendance, uh, the last couple of home games, butts and seats, not what they announced. They announced right, yeah, well, no, yeah, yeah, exactly. Butts and yeah. seats was uh, somewhere probably between 2,500 and 3,000 uh, for a place yeah. that holds 15,000, as you said, Colin Mausoleum. I first started saying Colin Mausoleum near the end of the Hobbs era, but right. it, it never got that. It never got quite this bad. Uh, it got bad, yeah, it, and yeah. there was more of a demand for excellence back then in basketball than there seems to be now. What I felt bad about was Drew is uh, they did lose the seat. We didn't get to have a show last week, so we can talk about this. They lost the senior the senior day game uh, against uh, Vanderbilt, but the, the problem was. Uh, when they did the senior day ceremony, uh, 20 minutes Miss. Or so before tip off against Ole Miss, yes. I'm sorry. When they did the yes. senior day ceremony against Ole Miss, uh, and there was maybe less than a thousand people there for Levi and oh, wow. Dakota, and I felt bad about that. By the time the game started, there was probably 2,000, maybe 2,500 there uh, to see that that loss to the Rebels that that, that uh, might have saved Ole Miss the season. <laughs> uh, I tell you what, you know. I'm going to go on record. I, I, I never, Drew, never bought into the SEC is going to get six thing in the tournament. I never believed yeah. it one minute. I always thought the number was five. And today, uh, Texas A&M proved me right because they said hello to the NIT today. Oh, no doubt about it. Uh, to the NIT. And they they lost with a 14-point lead against Alabama at home. And then on a neutral court, lost to an Auburn team with a losing record. They have no chance. Rick Stansberry, despite the fact he's helping them bring in a great recruiting class by paying half of the state of Texas next year, uh, they uh, they obviously will have some good players coming in, but he's also Stansberryed the program from the fact that they uh, did not finish the year strong. Though in their in their defense, if they had Daniel House, they would they would have beaten Alabama, and there's no doububt about that. Uh, Alabama would have would not have won. Uh, that basketball game, and then they probably would have beaten Auburn today. But, again, you have to play through injuries. 
And, you know, when, you, when you're up 14 at the half against Alabama, and then when you're up 10 at the half against Auburn, you've got to finish those games. And they're headed to the NIT. And I'll tell you what, Kerry, I, I think Ole Miss better win one game. Yeah, yeah, that's – that's uh, yeah, Ole Miss is probably in, but it would not be to their benefit. Well, let me say this. They play South Carolina tonight. They lose to South Carolina. They don't deserve to be in. Uh, but that being said, Lord, no. Ole Miss is going to be Ole Miss is going to be South Carolina. I think that'll They'll be beat the brakes off. I think LSU and Georgia are already in, and uh, yeah. I, 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 we all know Kentucky's going to be a one seed. Uh, LSU and Georgia. I mentioned Ole Miss. Uh, Arkansas is already in, in my opinion. I think Kennedy has a little bit of a worry. If he loses to South Carolina tonight, it could be a problem. But I even still think they would get in. Uh, they were on the ropes at home against State uh, in a game that went very similar to the Alabama game in Auburn. Uh, State was in Oxford, had them, had them at halftime, and then blew it in the second half. If, if, if they came back and won that game, uh, and then they, they came back and won the Alabama game uh, in Tuscaloosa, if they lost those two, they'd be right there with A&M. But I think Ole Miss is okay. I think the SEC is going to get five. But number six said goodbye today. Um, so we'll talk a little bit more about that uh, after the top of the hour because in about ten minutes from now, uh, we're going to be joined by our friend Luke Robinson, uh, and he's going to be talking not only college basketball but also high school basketball and a very interesting upcoming All-Star game in Montgomery. We'll talk about those things with Luke when he calls in about ten minutes. But for the next ten minutes, Drew, let's talk about another very important event it starts on Friday the 13th in Tuscaloosa before a week off for spring training. And that event is Alabama football spring practice. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Alabama will practice tomorrow uh, once before breaking for spring for 10 days. Uh, they wanted to do that in order to avoid, you know, the players having to and the fans having to miss, you know, as far as with Easter. So it wouldn't interfere with that. I've done that in the past. I don't think Coach Saban's a big fan of having to do this, but you know, cause Easter is a very big holiday to a lot of people. Uh, you don't really blame him there. And this spring practice carry to me is is wide open. Is his tooth Evan one? Except this is this football team is a lot more talented, one through eighty-five. But so many unanswered questions, but a lot of the excitement because of uh, Tosh Lupoy and Mel. Sucker on the defensive side of the ball. Year two, can Lane continue to work his magic? And then you, I tweeted this out yesterday. It got a lot of action. You know, they, they had during pro day, a lot of the returning players also work out. I know Thomas Watts uh, retweeted this and had a comment and said, if it didn't come from a source I trust, I would think this is ridiculous and not true. Uh, but Bo Scarborough, uh, he measured six foot two, two thirty-seven. He ran a four-four-nine. And uh, he will wear number nine. He will take Coop's old number because, uh, number one, Chris Black obviously has that number, uh, the redshirt junior coming up. But just really anxious to see uh, Bo Scarborough, see the impact he could have. And then I've got another tidbit of info, and we'll put it out on Twitter tonight. But we also have a new fastest man on the football team. It wouldn't be who you'd expect uh, in a 60-meter dash yesterday. Uh, Robert Foster beat Tony Brown. And uh, so Robert Foster is considered now the new fastest man in a Crimson Tide uniform. Uh, and uh, that's uh, 
pretty uh, heady stuff. I mean, we all know Robert has talent. Now you're just hoping he can translate it onto the field. And he's another one you want to see and see if he can step up and, and claim one of the top four spots. He really should, along with Chris Black. And obviously very excited about our Darius Stewart, Cameron Sim. And you want to see if O.J. Howard is finally going to step up and produce as many thought he would last year. So anxious to see that happen, and we'll see. But uh, just uh, it's, it's an exciting time. I'm really looking forward to this spring practice. Will Reuben Foster uh, finally stay healthy, and will he, will he win the will spot next to Reggie Ragland? I mean, or will it, could it be someone as Murph Baldwin, a friend of this show, and obviously with Thomas Watts doing the podcast they're doing, he, he was on my radio show on 97.7 The Zone this past week. He believes Dylan Lee should be the, the Will linebacker next to Reggie Ragland. Will that happen? Just really looking forward to spring carry, and I think the scrimmages, you know, the all Red Elephant Club scrimmage, and even A-Day, even though, you know, it's more for the fans. But uh, I'm just really anxious to see this football team work. And obviously Coach Saban had some strong comments yesterday, and he said he really likes where the team is and the leadership. And uh, you just really want to see them go out there and see what they can do. Well, drive. Piggybacking off that, um, I, I didn't have a chance to watch very much pro day. It's actually midterm week down here, so I've been in my right. uh, in my office like thirty hours already. But anyway, um, a couple of comments. What do, what do you pull off of what Blake Sims said about how Alec Morris is going to factor into the quarterback battle because he's so heady? Well, you know, Alec, I, I have he knows the the scheme. Um, whether or not he can execute said scheme consistently is would be my question. Uh, I think Jake Coker is going to be the leader in the clubhouse. Do I think Jake Coker is you know an absolute cod lock to win the job? Absolutely not. Uh, he he didn't play a lot last year. Uh, nobody really did. I, it could easily be a wide open situation. I do think he has the most talent and upside. But after what we saw with Blake Sims last year, uh, Thomas, I'm not going to say anything because you never know. I mean, Alec was thought two years ago to be the future. Uh, nobody had even thought about Jake Coker transferring, uh, but he took us some steps back. I heard he took steps back last fall. We will see. Uh, obviously, A.J. McCarron was telling people last year Blake would win the job. He was right. Uh, could Blake be right again? Maybe so. Uh, but we'll see about that, and uh, we'll just have to see what the future holds. But uh, I'm anxious to see all the quarterbacks work. I'm anxious to see Blake Barnett as a true freshman. How quickly will he acclimate himself? I still think the best thing for his future is to redshirt, but he's an extremely talented guy. And I know Blaine Kiffin and Nick Saban are very high on his uh, ability as an athlete and a quarterback and also as a leader. And so we'll see what happens there. But just really anxious to see how this goes. And will this and Drake do a whole lot. I think his recovery has been excellent from his leg, but you would think he wouldn't have any contact this spring, but still very anxious to see how Kenyon's moving around. Well, absolutely. And the other one I wanted to bring to your attention, I'm sure you saw this, but I, you mentioned uh, Reuben Foster. I believe it was Trey Priest said that the light's finally coming on for the young man. But well, I hope so. And I just hope it's not dimmed by ducking his head. No, no disrespect, but uh, well, I, absolutely. Uh, I mean, you know, I, I, I think Reuben is as physical as anybody there is, but he's just been so injury prone. Uh, he's not been fundamentally sound in the way he's done things. Uh, but if he, if the light really has come on, Thomas, no, no question about it. I mean, he could be a 
a star in the making. I mean, he we all saw what he did to Leonard Fournette. There is nobody in there. Everybody knows that Leonard Fournette is a big time talent. If the moron patrol at LSU had continued to give him the ball against Notre Dame, Connor Neighbors wouldn't have lost his last college game. That was a travesty because they could not stop the young man. But Reuben Foster and Al Fournette, credit for this, Leonard Fournette got up. That's one of the hardest hits I've ever seen in my life. And he got up. But Reuben Foster, everybody's excited about him. Everybody likes him. I've never heard anybody say anything bad about him. He's a good kid. He stayed out of trouble since he got to Tuscaloosa around Nick Saban in the program. His whole problem has just been staying healthy. And I'm just I'm anxious as all get out to see the, uh, the uh, progress he's made because I'm going to ask both of you this question. Cause, and I saw the young man play for four years in high school, basketball and football. I never, I did not see 95 tackles coming out of Reggie Ragland last year. So if Reuben Foster can finally, the light can finally come on, I'm going to be nasty at its time linebacker. And everybody knows how good the defensive line is going to be. Well, the only question I have, and Murph and I have gone back and forth about this, is is Reuben Foster good enough to allow Alabama to stay in their base defense, which I think only behooves Alabama a little bit more particularly with the loss of the physicality of Landon Collins. But if if Foster can show coverage skills, get out of the way because the spread the spread offense is going to take a huge hit when it plays Alabama. That's just my personal opinion. But, Kerry, go ahead. Well, I don't even think he has to show coverage skills uh, because on third down you can pin his ears back and let him be a pass rushing rabbit. Uh, well, I think you could. I, I would think going to I think Dylan Lee would be a, 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 the, the ideal coverage backer who could also blitz. Um, I think he's a good enough athlete to do that. I even think well, depending on how much, yes. yes, and and depending on how much weight he gains, you know, someone like Keith Holcomb. I do think that the overall athleticism of the of the of the linebacker core as a whole is fixing to go through the roof. Uh, the only one to me right now that seems to be to be a subpar athlete but hopefully he'll be in the right place at the right time when he's on the field is Denzel Duvall, even though I think Rashawn Evans and Tim Williams should play more than him. But obviously he's going to be the leader in the clubhouse too at that position. But Rashawn Evans is a freak. He runs a four or five. Obviously Tim Williams is very fast as well. And I'm just anxious to see what Tosh Lupoy, uh, and by the way, I talked to a staff member last night about Tosh Lupoy. He's a, he sleeps about as much as John Gruden. He's in the office every day before six. He grinds, and uh, he he. I, I I was told that you know he uh, that he's uh, he's a worker. They've all they've been really impressed with him overall as a recruiter and coach. And I'm just really pumped up to see uh, what he he's he's going to teach some different techniques. They really think it's going to improve the pass rush and help them affect the quarterback. As I was told, in a different way and. I just am really, really excited about that, and I just think he's going to bring some new things to the table. Mel Tucker as well, from what I understand, is as Kerry's already talked about, Tony Brown, Bradley Sylvie, Marlon Humphrey, all running track, uh, obviously. Uh, they, uh, but, he, but Mel Tucker's been in constant contact with them about and keeping them up to date on what they're missing as far as workouts and what they're doing as a, as a unit. And I think hopefully Mel Tucker can have an effect on the secondary like Lane Kiffin had offensively last year. Drew, I want to ask you something before Luke calls here in just a minute or two. 
I've been kind of involved in a little bit of a cyber debate with another friend of the show, Luke's friend, uh, Jimmy Stein, about yeah. how the one how the one offense is going to look tomorrow when it takes the field. I maintain that Dominic Jackson is the right tackle and Grant Hill is the right guard. But Jimmy thinks still is the right tackle. What do you think is going to happen when they're out there tomorrow? I would think Dominic would be the right tackle. Um, Thank you. Uh, I, I've, that's what I've been. I've heard throughout the most of the off season. I think I, my opinion on the right guard, and if they're comfortable with J.C. Hassenauer, would be Bozeman. Now, you know that may not be the case. I could. Well, I he might be a left guard. I, I could I see Grant left, left guard. Bozeman played some right guard last year during the Tennessee game after the injury to Cam Robb, and uh, did a very very nice job being physical. Uh, yeah, I think, but I do think the competition with Josh Kasser, Bozeman, obviously Shane Taylor and Grant Hill. I think Grant Hill will get some time at tackle, but if if Dominic Jackson comes along and is making progress, and then once uh, you know Leon Brown, or excuse me, good Lord, uh, thank God he's gone. Lester Cotton uh, gets on campus in May, then I think obviously hopefully they'll be able to move Grant inside. But I do think that the the competition at guard is to be stacked. And, uh, it would not even shock me at all if Joshua Kasher, uh, the little pit bull, as Mario Cristobal calls him, ends up as one of the starters. Because I think, I, despite the fact he's undersized, Kerry, you know I don't really believe in all that. I don't care. I just know you, you watch the tape and he kills people. And that's why I'm hoping uh, that Alabama, they've offered a lot of offensive linemen lately, as you've seen, but I'm hoping that they, that please don't close the door on Darius Whitfield. Because oh, I'm no. telling you. I hope not. Because I'm telling you, he's he's been offered by Miami, Florida State. He's starting to get a lot of offers, and you watch him on film, and you watch him. If you watch him in the Super Seven, uh, he's just a tremendous athlete. And uh, I think I know he's a little bit undersized right now. But uh, Mario Cristobal, the good thing I love about him is he he's not big on these big or heavy set guys. He likes streamlined offensive linemen, and and hopefully. You know, we'll see with Darius Whitfield, but I think he's a very, very good prospect, and I think Joshua Kasher has got an extremely bright future. Thank you, sir. And uh, we've got only 27 minutes left in the program, so we want to go ahead and bring on our final guest of the night. He's called in on the Big Heads Barbecue Hotline. Uh, he is with the Sports Blitz in Alex City as a, as a radio host. He writes a column for Alex City Outlook, and he also uh, is the producer for the uh, radio network for the Alabama High School Athletic Association. And uh, I want to welcome in your friend and mine, Luke Robinson, the pride of Alex City. Luke, uh, we all got to get our eyes bled out one last time tonight watching uh, Alabama basketball this afternoon, rather, 68-60 over Florida. Uh, the consensus, Luke, among people that know way more than me, like Cecil Hurt, for example, is that uh, Anthony Grant is probably coming back. Uh, what are you hearing? And if it's true, how devastating is it for the program? Uh, first of all, uh, thanks for having me, guys. Um, I'm sorry I forgot that I was supposed to call you and you weren't supposed to call me, so I was kind of sitting by the phone. Mm-hmm. I was actually listening to the show, and you got and I heard uh, Carrie say something as we wait for Luke to call in. I go, mm, I, I must have screwed that up, so sorry about that. Um, <laughs> no, we just secondly, had a little bit of a change. That's okay, Luke. Uh, secondly, um, I, uh, I think that Grant will be back next year. I, I believe that uh, I'm going to say – Two weeks ago, I thought there was no other route to go but fire him. Um, now, after the, the last few days, the win at Texas A&M, 
Um, just some of the rumblings out there, I, I believe he's going to come back. And for me, it's as bad a news as, wow, I, I remember being pretty uh, upset that it, it seemed like for a moment Mike Shula was going to be coming back in 2006. I remember being pretty upset about that. I remember being pretty upset that we didn't let Mike DeBose go um, when all of his stuff came to light the the first time around. And then, of course, he wins at Florida. Uh I think this is a travesty, guys. I think this is something that's going to really set the program back. I'm, I don't want to even give the inclination to anybody that I am perhaps holding back. I think that this is a disaster waiting to happen. I just happened to be at the HSA tournament a couple of weeks ago, and I got to see some of the underclassmen, and I would be willing to bet dollars to donuts that none of them would be interested in Alabama because, in my opinion, we will be going through a coaching search next year because I don't see this getting a lot better. Uh, but here's the problem. What if it does? What if Alabama does get to be an eight seed in the NCAA tournament? Then you have to give Grant an extension. You can't say, okay, we're just going to keep your contract just where it is. That's not how these things work anymore. If you do anything good, you get an extension. If you don't do anything good, um, if you do something bad, you you either get fired or you're put on the hot seat, which is essentially putting yourself on probation. So um, I I feel like things are not going to be good next year, though. I know we bring a lot of people back, but quite frankly, look at our roster. Look look at our roster. Look at who we're bringing in. I think we're bringing in some talented kids. I like Ingram a lot. I think he's a very good player. Um, I like Hall a lot. He's a good player. But who on our roster – is your go-to number one guy. You want to say Ricky Tarrant? Okay, I, I mean, maybe I can concede uh, he's he's a he's a very good player. I wouldn't say he's necessarily all-SEC material, even all-second-team all-SEC material. Um, then you, you, you lose guys like Cooper and Randolph, and those are guys that even they aren't number one guys to me. They're, they're very good complement if you had other number one guys or just a number one guy on your team. Meanwhile, look at your competition. LSU's bringing in arguably the number one class in the country. Kentucky will certainly be up there. Texas A&M is up there for having one of the best classes in the country. Auburn is bringing in a heck of a class. Arkansas is not going anywhere. Um, Missouri can't do anything but get better. Florida is not going to flop like they did again this year. And even if they are a flop, they've beaten us twice with their worst team. I've seen Billy Donovan have. So uh, Vanderbilt beats us there all the time. Um, Tennessee's not going anywhere. I, I, I mean, stop me when I get to a team that you think we can beat consistently. And I'm as disappointed as as I've ever been in the basketball program right now. I was in school for some of the Hobbs years. And, yeah, I mean, I, he, Hobbs and Grant have some similarities to me, except Hobbs did get a recruiter too. I mean, he did bring in a guy named Antonio McDice. Um, and he did have some really, really nice wins in his tenure. But the, the, they remind me in the way that they sell the program. That's one thing I faulted Hobbs for way back when. Was I, I never thought he got out there and, and made the student body or the fans interested in basketball. And, gosh, I've really gone off on a rant here, but the one thing I always hear about Grant is, you know, he's such a nice guy. Well, I mean, you know, that's the thing. He's a nice guy. How do we know? Nobody's ever – I mean, <laughs> when you get a clip from him, it's a I'll tell you how ten we know. second. We know because it's a ten I'll tell you second. how we know, Luke. We know because of the saying, "Nice guys finish last." 
Yeah, no, that's that's actually a good play. I like that. I may steal that and use it as my own. But um, you know, the thing about him, everybody says he's a nice guy and he's doesn't cause any problems. I, all we get to see out of him or hear out of him is coach speak. I mean, I just heard him on Channel 13 a second ago, and it was, you know, well, give 110% and you do this and you hope for better results and we'll get them next year and all the other junk you hear out of guys that ended up losing the game. So, I mean, I don't know if he's out there doing good things. I I know a lot more about Bruce Pearl than I know about Anthony Grant, and it's not because of his time at Tennessee necessarily or his being an announcer uh, on ESPN for a while or an analyst, it's because he's out there in Auburn going around, seeing folks, just making making himself visible. I, I, I'll tell you, when uh, the HSA tournament on uh, Wednesday, they had, you know, obviously everybody was scared of snowpocalypse, so they moved some of the games to Bill Harris Arena at the Birmingham Crossplex, and those were the games I got to call. It was very fortunate for me because I got to call the John Petty game. But Bruce Pearl comes in, obviously, to see Petty, and, I mean, there is a, a buzz in the place. I mean, like people who were – you could tell they're not gigantic college basketball folks probably, but they were looking around like that. You know, everybody was pointing at him. Anthony Grant walked in, and it was like he was selling peanuts. I mean, nobody – I mean, I don't know that anybody even knew who he was. I mean, it was – it was too, people were getting pictures made with Bruce Pearl, and people were going up to him and shaking his hand and – and I don't think it's the fans' fault. I don't think it's because they're mad at Anthony Grant. I don't think they know it. Well, they don't, Luke, and that's a very good point. And Anthony Grant hasn't, you know, hasn't marketed the program. I don't think David Hobbs did either. But as I said, you know, on a couple shows. Uh, but the bottom line is, he won two NCAA tournament games. Anthony Grant didn't right. do that. hadn't done, hadn't won any. I think they should apologize to David Hobbs with the with the way that uh, Bill Battle is treating the basketball program. To me, it's an embarrassment. I can't believe that, you know, it's hard for me. I know Sam Newton had a lot to do with bringing Anthony Grant to Alabama, but I can't believe he would be supporting him after the six years of of what we've seen. I know Wimp Sanderson is not happy about it, but I just can't believe Bill Battle. I don't see It's such a crop to me that they're trying to say, well, he's an interim AD. Well, if you're interim, why don't you just turn around and say you're going to retire next January? You haven't announced it. To me, it just sounds like Bill Battle doesn't care, and, and, and that really is what galls me because, to me, it's weak to say, well, he wants the, the new guy to hire the basketball coach. Why don't you fix the program for the new guy to make his job easier, you clown, or you shouldn't even have taken the AD's job to begin with? No, I, listen, I, I agree with you. I think that is a cop-out. Um, I mean, it, it – and here's the thing. I am normally not, you know, boycott the the games guy. I, mean, right. I think that people jump jump on that bandwagon a little too soon. But I, I'm kind of getting on that bandwagon for next year because it's not like we're doing it year two or year three. This oh, is no, year, year seven. seven. It's year seven. Yeah. So I mean, you're year seven into this thing. Your 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 recruits aren't bad, but there's nobody that just jumps off the page at you. And, again, I don't mean this as a slide on anybody because you take Justin Coleman every single year. But the fact is Justin Coleman is going to be a four-year player, and that's both good and bad in today's college basketball. If you know somebody's going to be a four-year player, well, that's great. You get him as a senior. The bad news is he's, you kind of know he's not good enough to go to the NBA. 
and be a superstar. And, look, I love Justin Coleman. I would take him every single year. I would take Levi Randolph every single year. But you've got to mix in the occasional Antonio McDice. Um, you've got to go out there and get somebody. Uh, or or uh, Trevor Lacey is a, a pretty good example. I mean, you've got to keep some of those guys a, a little bit happier. I mean, when Trevor Lacey left, everybody wanted to lay it at Lacey's feet. Well, I, it was I mean, Grant. I, I think it was more Grant. And, um, it and was. I, that sounds like revisionist history, and I'm turning, twisting this thing around to, to benefit my argument. But I'm just saying, look, if, if, here's the thing. The, the administration, if he comes back, is sending a loud message to me, to the fans, that it's not that we dislike basketball, we don't care. And that's worse, in my opinion, than disliking basketball. You're, you're telling oh, us we don't care if you show up or not. This is kind of mostly about money, I would guess, because the everything looks so bright and sunny right now, money-wise, and we don't want to disrupt that. Um, but I think long, this is a really short-sighted decision that is really going to affect the program long-term. A 100% agree. I think it will set it back years because you're letting Bruce Pearl gain a foothold and you're acting like, and this is what I said two or three times today and earlier on this show when I went on a meltdown, is that Auburn cares more about basketball than Alabama. Who would have ever thought that? It's well, embarrassing I, I, look, and humiliating. Let, let me say this. I don't, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I don't – Right. Um, overall, obviously, I, I'm not going to agree with that statement. This very moment is certainly true. Now, here's the other yes. thing that's – and this is kind of a, with Grant's bad luck. Um, Kerry, I heard you talking about Jimmy Stein earlier. Of course, he and I do a podcast as well called Talking Tuscaloosa. And Jimmy is the world's nicest guy. He really is. Right. I mean, he's awesome. He really he's, he's universally liked. And that is why we do well on a podcast together, because I'm universally disliked. But he, <laughs> during the show time, time baby. yeah, good cop, bad cop. During the Shula period, I, I, I mean, I was kind of on the – in 2005, I was kind of like, even though we were winning a lot, I was like, this this may not be good for us long-term, guys, because I don't think we are, you know, getting by on the skin of our teeth against some of these games and this fool's gold. And then, of course, 2006 rolled around, things are bad. And, and Jimmy was kind of, well, he's also had some bad luck. And I'm, I said, it's not bad luck when it's a trend. I mean, it is – it, it always right. seems to happen with him. Somebody always gets hurt. Something always goes wrong. Somebody always fumbles at the wrong time. And that's the thing with Grant. Yeah. Um, it, it's, there's exactly. always something wrong. And you look at Auburn today and yesterday. I mean, people could say, if you wanted to take just a, this as a, a slice of what is happening to Grant, Grant gets put in the Florida – Kentucky bracket, which that's probably the one bracket nobody would want to be in. Even though Florida's having a bad year, you still don't want to play them because they have so much experience in this thing. Auburn gets to play as bad a season as they had, as ugly as they look. They get to play a Mississippi State team that's equally as ugly. And then they play a Texas A&M that just lost at home to us, and they're not playing very well. And all of a sudden, Auburn – is sliced bread all over the state of Alabama. I mean, Auburn fans are saying, what if we screw around and win this tournament? I mean, are you kidding me? I, I know, mean, it's crazy. They, That's nuts. So, yeah, I agree. And meanwhile, and Alabama loses, and it makes Grant look even worse. But so in that regard, if you just want to take this one instance, it does look like bad luck. But when you add them, when you put all these pieces together, 
It just tells you how bad this program is with him at the helm. And God bless him. Don't feel sorry for him. If we fired him right now, he'd get $3 million on the way out the door. It's okay. It will four. And, and I agree. Four, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree, Luke. And, and that's what I meant. I mean, I, I think overall, over the years, Alabama's put a lot more emphasis on basketball than Auburn. But right now, Auburn's got the upper hand, and it looks like they care more about it. It's just, I just, it bothers me that uh, that uh, Bill Battle is an athletic director, and and if they don't end up doing something, that some of the board of trustee members as well would not want to do something. I I would uh, I would think that it would infuriate them to see Bruce Pearl on TV everywhere and. And, and what you said at the state tournament, I, I was on a smaller stage at Wallace State for the regional, but the exact same thing happened there. Uh, Bruce Pearl came along with John Beeline of Michigan and along with Dane Fife, the assistant at Michigan State, uh, to see and another and uh, an assistant at Oklahoma and obviously uh, Wesley uh, Flanagan, who's an assistant at Mississippi State. They all came to see Josh Langford and. Guess who was the last one to arrive at halftime? Anthony Grant. And nobody, he, he said hello to a few people. He stayed for two quarters, and then he went home. Bruce Pearl had been there an hour, an hour and a half longer. And it's just, he's out working, Grant. And the bottom line to me is, uh, I, just, it, I just can't believe Alabama's leadership. There's such a vacuum there. That to me, you know how this works. If you give a coach a, vo- a vote of confidence the year before after a bad year, and then and the next season is not you know much better, then you usually make a change. And I, I don't think eighteen and fourteen is a is progress. Uh, you know, I had no. Jodine Jr. on my radio show uh, uh, yesterday, and he I, I asked him in an a roundabout way, did he see any uh, coaching changes uh, happen in the SEC? And he said no. And the first thing out of his mouth was uh, about Anthony Grant was the injury situation. And I understand all that, but like you said, Luke, it's happened every year. There's always some kind of roster management problem. And I'm going to tell you right now, you mentioned Justin Coleman. I'm not convinced he's going to finish his career in Tuscaloosa, unfortunately. No, and, and no, it's, it's not going to shock me in the least if Alabama doesn't have a transfer or two on this roster. So everybody's saying, well, look at the roster and look who's all coming back. It wouldn't shock me at all if some other guys left. And, uh, that, that again, um, you, you look at some of the other players out there. Uh, last year I was fortunate enough to go call the Alabama-Mississippi All-Star game, um, which was in Mississippi. And, you know, they, they had some players out there that uh, – who's the kid that's uh, – his name escapes me from Mississippi's killing it for Kentucky right now. Devin um, Booker. Yeah, and he Devin is Booker. unbelievable. And Alabama can't get him. Kentucky's going to get him. I'm, I'm cool with that. I'm totally cool with that. But, you know, how about Wesley Person? I mean, and, again, he's not exactly a superstar, but you know what he was named on? He was named on the – all freshman team in, in the Sun Belt. I mean, that's pretty good compared. None of our freshmen were right uh, in the SEC. Well, were named first team all team worthy. No, and I mean, when William and, Lee puts um, UAB over Alabama, it's a problem. We, we will work. We, yeah, William Lee is a problem. Okay, but we were out, and we were definitely outworked for William Lee. But I'll tell you another problem. How about Isaac Haas up at Purdue? I mean, this is a guy to me. He's a seven foot two Absolutely. guy from the state of Alabama, and he goes to this All Star game, 
And he looked pretty good to me. I mean, we called his name a lot. And I said, what are Alabama and Auburn not seeing? And at the time, um, you know, Auburn was kind of – maybe they had – I think they had already made a move or about to make the move. They were in flux. And so, I mean, I understood why Auburn wasn't necessarily in the mix. But, I mean, you, you see a guy who's 7'2 and doesn't trip over his own feet every time he walks through the door. To me, that's an offer. You figure out the rest. I mean, it didn't work out. Um, with this the Swedish meatball, as I always call him. <laughs> but, uh, you know, sometimes yeah. it does, it's, you're going to take the flyer and it's not going to work. But Haas is working out at well, Purdue. I mean, he looks good. Well, and I'll say this. Lenny Acuff, who I'm good friends with, told me. I had not – I had heard – I had some friends had seen Haas and weren't high on him. He told me, he said, he's not playing for a very good high school team, but he'll be a really good college player and have a chance to play in the NBA. And that's come to fruition. And the worst part, Luke, is his dad, his former Alabama offensive lineman, Joe King, he, did, exactly. and he told Alabama early on he did not want to come to Alabama because he knew they couldn't develop him. So he it's just another – No, he asked Alabama to not recruit him. Yeah, he told Alabama because not to recruit him. Because, A, he does not like his dad, and his dad played Alabama. Yes. And, yes. B, uh, he watched Alabama's offense, and he sees this bull crap where Jimmy Taylor runs up to the top of the key and takes yes. the pass before he goes down in the paint. He wanted to go to a school where the postman stays in the post, and that's what Matt Painter promised him, and that's what he's done. He doesn't start yet; he'll start next year. But when he goes yeah. in the game, he gets in the paint, he stays there, he gets up. He didn't want to do a lot run around crap like we do with our center. And he he came out looking. He asked Alabama to not recruit him for those two reasons: a, he does not like his dad, have basically no relationship. That's why he's a Haas, not a King. And b, he did not like the offense. But we really need to change the subject before we let Luke go because the show doesn't have about seven and a half more minutes. Luke, I want to get into the prospect aspect uh, of what you saw. Uh, Drew and I were down there with you Saturday, and we got to see Brandon Austin, who I was more impressed with than I thought I'd be, quite frankly. And we got to see John Petty, who you saw twice. But, Luke, I want you to tell us what you saw uh, as a player, not only from John Petty from Huntsville, but also from Josh Langford. Let's talk about those two guys first. Well, uh, Petty was far and away the best player in the tournament, if you ask me. I mean, Langford's very, very good, but I would take, um, I would definitely take uh, Petty, the number one. I mean, like if you're drafting kids, there's no doubt in my mind I take Petty just number one all the time. He is so fabulous. He can create his own shot. He's so smart. He can pass when he needs to pass. He can absolutely get up. He reminded me of a better Craig Sword, and Craig Sword also played in uh, the BJCC back when he was with Carver, and I thought he was incredible, and I couldn't believe Alabama didn't go after him harder too, by the way, but that's another story. Um, so Petty, to me, is Kentucky good. I mean, you can almost go ahead and chalk him somewhere like a Kentucky Duke, I mean, somewhere like that if you ask me. I think he's even going to be beyond where Bruce Pearl could have Auburn by that point. So I think he's, he's one of the, the upper echelon, top ten in the country kind of kid. Brandon Austin, I liked him a lot, and he really came on late in that game. Um, there were some things that, uh, you know, that he did that he had some bad shots here and there, but he could hit the three. You don't necessarily want him taking the three all the time, but he can hit the three. I think he reminded me of Kerry. He reminded me of Alonzo G. He's very, very athletic. He's strong. He's not afraid to attack the basket. But, you know, there's the outside game needs a little bit of work. He's He's got if you maybe a cross between Retinal Basahan and, and Alonzo G. I mean, maybe that's where I'm going here. Um, but, again, 
is he a, a five star? I mean, if 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 you're ranking kids, if we're giving out stars, I'm going to say high three star, low four star. That's where I'm going to go with it. So I feel like he can have a Rodney Cooperish, Levi Randolphish career, um, and that's great. I think you recruit him and you sign him all day long. But you got to have somebody to go with him, in my opinion, um, to really make the, his game even better. Also got to ask you, since you saw him and, and Drew and I did, and by the way, Drew and I will be joining you in Montgomery next Friday because we got to do some scouting on this guy and also on Dante Hall. But tell us what you thought, Luke, about Dazon Ingram. Well, first of all, I won't be there next Friday, unfortunately. My other two partners are going to be doing it. I usually do that game, but I've got to go to a wedding. Uh, I've I remarried myself, and so now I'm also in wedding season again, so I get to go to another wedding next weekend and miss the All-Star game, which I hate, but I am going to have to miss it. But um, I liked Ingram a lot. I think he only had 12 points in that Mountain Brook game, but, again, it's hard to judge kids uh, by how they do against Mountain Brook, if you ask me, because Mountain Brook plays such a unique style and they get after you so much defensively. And their, in my opinion, their strategy was contain Ingram at all costs and let the rough end drag. And um, I thought he looked pretty good. He ended up fouling out of that semifinal game, if I remember correctly. But um, I, I like him, again. But do I think, uh, you know, is he a superstar? Uh at the next level, I, I don't think so. I think he'll come in and play. I think Alabama will need him to come in and play. But um, again, I, I think he and, and Austin are kind of uh, kind of equal talent wise. Yeah, I agree, Luke. And I, I'll tell you what too about Dazon. I, I think he does need to work on his outside shot, but I love his athleticism. I'll give you an idea of how good he can be, though. They did lose the basketball game, the Steel City Classic, but he had 29 points and 20 rebounds against Johnson. Yep. Luke, uh, we're about to have to let you go, but I wanted to ask you, uh, his name escapes me, but if you were Anthony Grant, since he is staying, do you offer the the, uh, Lafayette basketball senior big man that you saw play? Oh, oh, my gosh. Uh, Yeah, the the taller kid. he was six nine. He was very, very good, I thought. Um, yeah, I tell you, I probably would offer him. Uh, I thought that he and they also had a um, they had a sophomore named Jartavius Whitlow, and I can remember him, um, and I'm going to look up this other kid's name. I want to say it was Braden or something along those lines. But um, he was uh, – I thought he was pretty good. He, he hung out at the top of the key a lot. And then once he went into the post, nobody could stop it. And and I, I called his game, and I kept thinking, just get in the post. Just get in the post, and, and you'll dominate. And once he did, I mean, man, he got in there and absolutely killed it. Uh, uh, it I thought that he was worth a flyer. He's a little bit thin. He's got a little Roy Williams, got a little Dr. Hall kind of thing going on. But, um, you know, I would take him. I do. I, again, I just don't think guys like him come around that often. And, and I know it sounds like I'm saying we'll take all these guys who are three-star, four-star level. But I think you take these guys and you go after some of the bigger dogs. That's that's what I believe. All right. Yeah, well, Barnes. We're going to have to cut it short. What was his name? Barnes. Trayvon Barnes. He had 20. Trayvon Barnes, right. About 6'9", uh, you know, probably a project, but uh, – Anyway, Luke, we really appreciate it. Uh, congratulations on your nuptials, and uh, 
sorry we won't see you in Montgomery next week, uh, but we would like to have you uh, come back on here in a few weeks to discuss uh, what happens between now and then. All right, guys, I'll do it, and I appreciate it, and great show. Thank you, Luke. I thank you, Luke. Appreciate uh, it. Luke Thomas for the Alex City Outlook. He's also on Sports Blitz in Alex City. We're going to have to wrap up now. It's a, it's a tight two-hour window tonight. So uh, thank you for listening to BAMS Radio, a member of the BAMS Sports Radio family. For Drew DeGarmont of Alabama Intel, I'm Flossman. Good night and roll tide, everybody.